Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees, and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Our team of JBD coaches support men and women to engage in divorce with more calm, clarity, and confidence through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. When you become aware, all of a sudden things slow down. Your interactions slow down. You're, even when you're under stress, it just all seems to slow down just a little bit. Enough so that you can find a space there. You can find a pause with a lot of practice. And when you find that space and that pause because it slows down through your awareness, then you can decide, what do I want to do here? How do I want to respond? How do I want to show up in the world? You know, there's a lot of power in that, in deciding how I want to show up in the world and what I want, how I want to respond. Embarking on the journey into the next chapter of your life after divorce is often met with a mixture of excitement and fear. Everything is affected. Transitioning home and career, managing your finances, parenting as a single mom or dad, and managing the emotions around step-parents in your children's lives. The world of online dating, reconnecting with who you want to be in this new chapter of life, and finding your passion, purpose, sensuality, sexuality, and so much more. Tune in as we speak to the experts in every area of post-divorce life and support you to enter and navigate it as an adventure with a growth mindset and a heart of possibility. I am so excited to have my dear friend, Erica Posniak with us today. Welcome, Erica. Thanks, Karen. I'm so happy to be here and to share my passion for mindfulness with you. Me too. And we're in the part of our Life After Divorce series where we're really talking about healthy living. And we've talked about connecting with your spiritual self. We've talked about... um, walking in curiosity and surrender. And I think today's topic is so important because uh, mindfulness is one of the most powerful tools that we can have. And our JBD coaches often encourage our clients to begin to notice and become aware of their thoughts and their behaviors. So today, listeners, we have an expert who teaches this all the time. And let's just start with the basics. The word mindfulness, it's everywhere. Uh, It means different things to different people. How would you explain mindfulness, Erica? That's a great question. So 
I really like John Kabat-Zinn's definition of mindfulness, which is paying attention to the present moment on purpose in a particular way without judgment. And let's unpack that a little bit. So, you know, we often live much of our lives in autopilot. Um, have you had the experience of driving a car and getting somewhere safely, but not really remembering how you drove there? It's like you disappear. And we're able to do that with a lot of things because our brains are so used to getting us places and performing certain tasks that we don't need to think about it. But what's happening in the meantime is where are our thoughts when we're on autopilot? And what happens is we're thinking about the past or we're thinking about the future. When we're thinking about the future, we're often worried about what ifs, where it might be catastrophizing, we're worried. Um, and when we're thinking about the past, we might be full of regret. Maybe there's some happy thoughts, but often it's negative. Um, and life is happening in this moment only here, right now. And so we need to find a way to bring us back to living. And the other part of that definition is judgment. We are often judging ourselves constantly. We're judging our environment. We say, I like this, I don't like this, that was a tasty food. Why did I just say that? Um, it makes us incredibly unhappy. And so if we can stay in the moment without judgment, that would be a very nice place to live. So first of all, your first example um, is I remember I was working at a printing company and I started with another printing company that was like a half a mile away and I was going through my divorce. And there were days where I would pull up, park the car and then look at the building and realize I had gone to the wrong company. And it was just like I was on such autopilot doing exactly what you said, thinking, worrying the future, fretting the past, whatever. And literally, my mind just drove me someplace that was familiar, not exactly where it needed to be. So I so resonate with that. And the other thing that you said uh, that I think is so important is I, I like to call it mind chatter. And mm -hmm. the the key here is that our mind chatter tends not to be about how wonderful life is and how terrific our future is going to unfold and how beautifully we did our past. It doesn't go there. Our mind chatter tends to be a very negative Millie, uh, right. which is what I hear you saying. And then the third thing that you said um, about all we have is the present moment. And so to me, that that's what drew me into mindfulness more than anything is all of my power is in a moment that my mind is not connected to. And how do I begin to connect to it? And before we get into that, Erica, uh, this is such a passion of yours. Can you just share with us what led you to mindfulness? Because your background is as a physician of 30 years. So I'm curious yeah, so I I was going through an incredibly difficult period in my life, and it was about 12 years ago now. I was facing professional burnout, 
And that was overwhelming for me because I was so invested in my identity as a doctor um, that it was a time of tremendous emotional upheaval for me. I became very reactive. My decisions were very fear-based and I was ashamed. And I knew that I needed something to help me. Um, and when I find when I did find mindfulness, I knew what a gift it was for me. It was life changing, and I started seeing myself and the world differently, and living with intention and treating myself more kindly. Mm. And I understood what was happening. I I lost a lot of the embarrassment and the shame of what I was going through. Um, yeah, and so. I was drawn to, yeah, so that's why I was drawn to mindfulness. And then in addition to that, I was drawn to a specific approach to mindfulness. Um, right. And why don't you tell us, so, so that's um, uh, MBSR. Can you tell us what that stands for and, uh, and what it is? And yeah, let's start there. So MBSR stands for Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. And firstly, I was very attracted to it because it presented a very organized and experiential approach, deep instruction. And I felt as though I was given a manual of how to approach life mindfully. And I could understand that. Mm. You know, if somebody, if you're listening to lectures and reading books and somebody says be mindful it's great but it's hard to understand what that really means if you've never experienced it how do you know what that actually means and so this experiential step-by-step -step approach for somebody like me was really really helpful um and mbsr teaches things like how to approach stress um, how to approach communication, how to approach eating. It's, it's kind of explains human behavior and who you are. And those are things I never learned. I, I didn't understand that there's a, a, certain, a certain way that human beings feel. And we all feel that way. There's so many common reactions that we all have. So there was great information in that. And then as a doctor, I had been trained to look for proof that something works. And I'm a little tough when it comes to that. Um, you know, vetting suggestions for treatments and classes. And one of the reasons I was so accepting of MBSR is that it's evidence-based and the science was explained to me. And I could understand that. It's taught and accepted by hundreds of medical centers around the world. And that was important to me, too. So you're describing uh, MBSR as being evidence-based. And you also said something about understanding the human condition and, and what we have in common. And so maybe those are two separate questions uh, when it comes to the human condition and that understanding why we are, how we are, like, can you explain that piece of the MBSR and then the evidence-based piece? Okay, so, so in general, um, 
we need to understand ourselves as human beings and how we tend to behave and react. You know, I've taught people mindfulness and mindfulness-based stress reduction from all over the world, people from various cultures. And it's been fascinating to me to see how despite all of these different cultures, despite being raised differently, people feel the same way. They react the same way. People, people experience stress in the same way and from the same things. And so part of, you know, I think a big piece of this is how and why do we react to stress the way that we do? because that governs a lot of our lives. So scientifically understanding what happens in our bodies and brains, for me, during stress was very helpful. Understanding and becoming aware of myself, my reactions, I felt as though I was waking up when I learned mindfulness. I felt as though I was waking up from a deep sleep and you've mentioned awareness and that pause. And really, that's what much of this is about. If we can become aware of ourselves, of our lives, of what's happening in the moment, then we realize we can just start showing up so differently. Uh, you know, one of the things I'm hearing you say is that in the learning of M MSBR, did I MBSR. say that? In the learning of MBSR, there's a, a normalizing of our reactions, a, an understanding of, of that human reaction and therefore normalizing it. Is that is that a fair interpretation? Yes, very much so. And I think that's really key because we blame ourselves for our reactions. We judge ourselves for our reactions. And yet, they're perfectly normal. That's how human beings react. Now, we might, we might lose emotional control. I think that the, the, the huge value here is that you're not just learning the awareness and the present moment, but that, that understanding of how we're all wired the same in some ways and that, that our, our stress reactions are normal. And yet, to your point... What we do with those reactions is, yes. is what mindfulness helps us to uh, notice and begin to shift behaviors that aren't working for us. Is that fair? Absolutely. And so when you become aware, all of a sudden things slow down. Your interactions slow down. You're even when you're under stress, it just all seems to slow down just a little bit, enough so that you can find a space there. You can find a pause with a lot of practice. And when you find that space and that pause because it slows down through your awareness, then you can decide, what do I want to do here? How do I want to respond? How do I want to show up in the world? You know, there's a lot of power in that in deciding how I want to show up in the world and what I want, how I want to respond. Right. 
And, and let's let's go right into our listeners' experience. So this is a life after divorce series. We definitely have people who are in the midst of divorce listening in. How? What's the value of applying this practice to um, to for our listeners at this point in their life? Right. There is so much value. Um, you know, I want to point out a few um, highlights. And one is that, you know, as we mentioned, we're because of all of the challenges that you're going through right now, um, so many decisions, so many changing relationships, this tremendous stress, you know, it's a very, very, very difficult time. Um, so you can get lost in the future, lost in thoughts of what if scenarios, catastrophizing, and you get lost in the story. Um, and that brings a lot, of con- a lot of emotion with it. So for that, mindfulness teaches us to stay in the moment. Um, again, it's a practice. It takes time. You need to strengthen your mindfulness muscle. Um, but you can practice where to focus your attention. And, you know, there's so much happening around us all the time. We're caught in these thoughts of the future. But if you look out your window, you can look at this beautiful tree that you didn't notice and a beautiful green leaf swaying in the wind. And that is happening right now in addition to everything else that's going on. So it's really about learning to focus what you're paying attention to. And then another aspect of it is control. You know, we all want to control the outcome. And that's one of the reasons that we're so stressed out with all of this change. So we can control a lot of things, a lot of things we can't control. Um, Mindfulness practice teaches us to recognize when we're triggered and how to calm down in those moments before we react. And something like what I just said, we can learn how to control how we show up in the world and how we respond. And then, again, you're at this time, not only are you developing new relationships in your world with other people, with how you're living, but you're developing a new relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. And when that's happening, there might be a lot of self-judgment there, a lot of negative self-judgment. And mindfulness practice helps you to connect with your own wisdom and strength. You develop a greater sense of well-being and life satisfaction and emotional control. And that's a kinder, gentler, and easier life. So, yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting. As you're talking, our 12-step program talks about so many of these things, moving from reactiveness to responsiveness, um, practicing presence, watching your story and choosing the story that that serves you. And one of the things that I, I hear between the lines is that, you know, 
going through a divorce is a high stress time. Post-divorce is a high stress time. If you're learning, figuring out how to co-parent with your ex, if you're figuring out finances for the first time, thinking about going out and dating for the first time and God knows how long. Yeah. And so there's just like so much uh, stress and so many opportunities for that monkey mind negative story to just come in and slay you. And what I'm hearing is by, by, Working this practice of mindfulness, you keep your attention where you do have power, which is really on you and your thoughts and your um, your choices of behaving out of those thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully without judging yourself, because this is really difficult stuff, really, really difficult stuff. And you know, it's a journey. So you don't reach this state of perfection where you can perfectly control and you don't get stressed out. You have tools. You have tools to bring to your life. And and hopefully you can better deal with all these things. And like everything, you know, it's it's about practice. The more you practice it, the, the more skilled you become at it. And I'm wondering, is there an experience that you could give our listeners right now so that they can even taste a little bit of what you're talking about? Oh, would you like to do a short meditation? That would be wonderful. I would love to do that. Yeah, why don't we do that? Uh, so why don't you direct our listeners? And uh, if you're driving, you might want to re-listen to this yes. part and not do it right now. But let's let's <laughs> see what that feels like. Okay, terrific. So right now, finding a comfortable seat. You can put your feet firmly on the floor. And sitting tall, closing your eyes or keeping them partially open with a lowered fixed gaze. And noticing the in-breath and the out-breath while you're taking a deep cleansing breath. And perhaps Noticing all the contact points your body is making with the chair. And focusing your attention on your hands right now and noticing where, where they are. Are they in your lap or on your thighs? bringing your hands together and allowing the fingertips to touch. Becoming aware of the sensation of your fingers as they touch one another. The warmth or coolness. Maybe you can feel the air as it brushes past your hands. Maybe there's tingling or pulsation. Being with whatever is present, perhaps noticing the texture of your fingers, whether it's smooth or coarse. 
sitting with your experience of sensation in your fingers and hands. And if there's no sensation at all, that's okay. That's your experience right now. Sitting with what is. And moving the attention away from the hands and to the breath. Noticing the in-breath and the out-breath. And the movement of the breath through your body. And taking another full breath. And when you're ready, opening your eyes and inviting whatever movement feels right. Well, that was lovely. Welcome back, everybody. I feel calmer and um, more centered. That was that was really lovely. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. So you all just meditated. It's really that simple. And you can bring all of your attention to your fingers for a few minutes each day or to the sensation of your feet, perhaps. You can meditate on sound. A breath meditation is most common. Um, and you can do these longer meditation practices each day. Fit it into your schedule on a daily basis. With practice and guidance, this will help you build your mindfulness muscle. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 wonderful. And I I so encourage you if you're listening and I can't imagine anyone not feeling a, a little bit better after just those few minutes and the beauty of committing to that every day. We have a special gift for you. Whether you're still emotionally entangled with your ex or not, imagining and creating your life after divorce can feel surreal for some, terrifying for others. Fears and limiting beliefs around financial security, building new friendships, health and fitness, and even finding healthy love can interfere with your ability to create the life you desire. Journey Beyond Divorce coaches can help you get clear on what you want and the obstacles that are keeping you stuck and guide you in manifesting your ideal life. We're here to help you enter this new chapter with more confidence and enthusiasm with a free jumpstart call. Visit journeybeyonddivorce.com backslash jumpstart to book your call today.
I was thinking when I do yoga, um, until I'm on the mat and paying attention, I don't even realize the tightness in the muscle until I start breathing into it. And when I have a massage, I don't realize what's going on in my body until that attention, the hand is put on it. And it's the same, it felt the same to me. It's like having that moment to just pay attention inwardly, pay attention to the body. And we talked just a minute ago about how stressful this time is and uh and it can lead to to chronic stress and um and so for those listening who are just feeling really burdened under and filled with anxiety or panic or stress uh can you talk a little bit about what doing a practice like this on a daily basis can do for that even physical reaction that they're having? Under chronic stress. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, So, you know, so chronic stress is unrelenting stress and very common in people who are in a situation like caretaking where there's no way out. The stress is happening again and again, and they can't find navigate a way out. You know, a long-term bad marriage is a situation like that too, chronically stressed. And Divorce can be a situation like that, too, where there's intense stress for a very long time. And um, so a meditation and a mindfulness practice can help as a first step. Um, We're often, as you mentioned, lost in our heads and we lose touch with our body and there's very much a mind-body connection. Um, and if we can find a way to get more in touch with our bodies, it's a way of coming into the present moment. Um, it's a way of building awareness and of relaxing. Mindfulness doesn't have the objective of relaxing. It, it's not... It's, it's not considered an objective. It's, it, it might happen. Mindfulness might also initially make you more upset because you're facing what's happening in this moment. Mm-hmm. You're, you're being drawn to this moment. And so these practices, body practices like yoga, can bring you into touch with yourself and with this moment. And in that way, you can start to release from perhaps um, from the intensity of chronic stress. But it's a, it's a little bit complicated. It, it leads us into resilience, this whole discussion mm. of how it can help with resilience. So um, so let's go there for a second, because I think we've 
captured a lot of people's attention. And, and what so often happens is with the clients we work with is they're, they're looking for that divorce settlement paper so that everything's going to be okay, but the paper doesn't actually provide everything being okay. And so the work that we do with our clients um, and our followers is to help them go deeper to, to be okay with what is right to live in acceptance. And so the resilience part of it, the, this is my journey. Um, where am I at? Where can I heal? What can I learn from it? How can I walk this path with grace and know that things will unfold better? Like that's, that's where we guide our clients. And I'm curious your definition of re resilience and how that taps into helping with um, the stress of these times. Okay. So resilience is a really big topic. Um, and it resilience means um, the ability to bounce back from difficulty and to withstand stress. Um, how you build resilience and who has resilience is a very big topic. And there's been a lot of study about it. You know, it's characteristics of resilient people have been described. Um, and I won't get into all of that right now, but mindfulness practice supports the development of some of the attitudes that resilient people have. We all have emotional reserves that carry us through difficult times. And we can think of that as a savings account. Um, and we need those reserves when we're faced with higher levels of stress. So a mindfulness and a meditation practice can help us to build some of those reserves, but it's not enough on its own. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. In addition, we need healthy habits and adequate sleep and good nutrition and regular exercise maybe being out in nature or participating in some activities that we really enjoy. And we need to maintain connections with family and friends and perhaps groups so that we can have social support. That's really important too. Practicing self-compassion is really important. And day-to-day -day asking yourself, what do I need right now? Do I need a, a warm cup of tea? Do I need to go for a walk or eat something or take a nap? Listening to what you need and actually giving yourself what you need is really important to all to build. This is all for building up your savings account. Um, you know, we often think that we're selfish if we take care of ourselves. And the fact is that if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't fulfill our responsibilities and we can't take care of our families. And so it's really important to take care of ourselves. And all of this action, all of these activities help to grow that bank account. And as it grows, we have more resilience to face the difficult times of stress. 
So, Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes so much sense. And so we, we, we did, uh, a few minutes of meditation and I, you started mentioning uh, a few things that people can do. Can you leave our listeners with a couple of suggestions of how to get started? And then I'd like to hear a little bit more about the mindfulness-based stress reduction program and, and how that works. Okay. Um, I have a few suggestions um, day to day how to incorporate mindfulness into your day, which I think might be really helpful. And one of the practices that I want to share is the stop practice. Um, the what? I'm stop, sorry. The stop. stop. Ah. S-T-O-P. It's an acronym. So when you're in a difficult situation, if you find yourself in a tug of war with the kids, you're tug of war with your ex, whatever it is that's happening in your life in this moment that's really stressing your, you out, and you're aware of it, that's a good time to practice the STOP practice. And it's an acronym. S is STOP. Stop what you're doing. T, take in a few breaths. And bring your attention to those breaths so that you're really connecting, noticing the in-breath and the out-breath, noticing it wherever it is you feel the breath the most. And that might be at your chest or your belly or your nose. And staying with it. That breathing usually calms you down. Um, next, observe what's present, what's happening right now, what emotions are you feeling right now? Is there anger or sadness or fear? What thoughts are there? Worries? And what sensations are you feeling? And as you do that, actually, the stress reaction, actually, Blood flow changes in the brain, and when you're highly stressed, your frontal lobe, which is your decision-making area in the brain, goes offline. And so that's why you stop thinking clearly when you're very stressed out. And this practice actually calms you down. And if you ask with curiosity, what emotions am I feeling right now? It actually brings the frontal lobe back online so that you can think more clearly. So as that happens, now you can look around you and say, okay, um, what's the best way for me to proceed? And you could do that wisely. So you can practice the stop practice many times a day. You can do it when you're not particularly stressed so that you become aware of how you're feeling through the day and you're becoming more connected with your emotions. Um, and your sensations, and you're getting to know yourself a lot better. And I then, love that. I love that one. That's that's an easy one to remember too. And I love that you could do it any time of day. Um, I could certainly think of numerous times in the last few days I could have used it. <laughs> uh, you know, I use it all day long. I have to tell you, I just use it all day long, and I love it. S T O P. It's an acronym. And I also wanted to say that, you know, there are techniques that where you can use mindfulness, you can use techniques like the stop practice in a shorter way. So stop should only take you 
maybe two or three minutes, but you know, you could make it shorter um, theoretically. What about the situation where you're getting a difficult text? What can you do there? Because that can be a terrible situation, especially now if you're ha- if you're dealing with your ex or with you know difficult conversations, and it can be rapid. And then you write something, and you're oh my god, did I really write that? Did I really react in that way? So if you get a difficult text, you know, create space, wait a few minutes, try to stop practice there, and calm down. You know, maybe. Bring your attention to your hands and feet. Do the stop practice. Acknowledge that these strong emotions have arisen and give yourself some self-compassion and understanding. And maybe you wait until you're calm to answer that text. And maybe even if that takes till the next day, think about what you'd like to say. And that can be really helpful. Um, Another suggestion is if you're returning from work, You drive home, now you have to go into the house and you have a whole nother job waiting for you. Maybe the kids are waiting for you or whatever it is that's waiting for you. Take a few minutes, sit in the car, check in with yourself, take some breaths, notice what's here, what thoughts and emotions are here. Leave the emotion of the day, the stress of the day behind you. Refresh and then walk in the house so that, you know, the last encounter is not influencing your experience at home. And you feel ready to deal with the stress of the house. And and lastly, I would suggest, you know, if you're at work or at home, between clients, between assignments, phone calls, errands, whatever stressors fill your day, take a moment in between If you're running between phone calls, take a moment, check in. How are you feeling? Take a breath. Leave, you know, ready yourself for the next interaction. And if you can build these things into your day and make some habits, there can be great change. And those are so simple and so quick. So even no matter how busy we are or how many plates we're spinning, I love those suggestions because uh, we can all fit them in. Yeah. So I'm curious a little bit more about the mindfulness-based stress reduction. Is this um, is this an online course? Is this in person? Is this one-on-one? And what's the time frame and what does it cover? Like let's let's leave our listeners with enough information that uh, if you've piqued their curiosity already, that they know what they're reaching out to ask about. Okay, great. So mindfulness-based stress reduction, the full course, there, there are many ways to teach it, and I teach it in many ways. Um, I give workshops that you know last an hour or two um, for a shorter experience. Um, I also offer shorter courses that are four sessions. And then the classic full course is eight sessions. Um, I've, also, I've also started teaching it one-on-one. And um, and that's been a really interesting experience. 
Um, and again, it's it's an experiential approach to mindfulness. There is um, movement involved, mindful movement. There are body awareness practices involved. There is quite a bit of meditation, um, different types of meditation. Um, and there is... Again, learning about yourself, about your stress reaction, um, about how you are in all stressful situations, like conversation, um, and becoming aware, developing a new relationship with yourself. And, and I'm curious, when you do the four, the eight-week sessions, are those weekly back-to-back, -back, or is that spread over a longer period of time? So I, you know, it can all be done differently. Um, it's really about sharing some key points. You know, I've also done this with organizations. So, mm -hmm. you know, when you're doing it with an organization, it's presented in a slightly different way, um, depending on what the group needs at that moment. Um, so it really depends. The, the classic course um, is given once a week. And the reason for that is because it gives you a week to practice. It gives you a week to let it all settle um, and to learn and to be ready for the next layer of material. Yeah, now that makes so much sense. Uh, so any last tips that you want to leave our listeners with before we give your contact information and how they can find you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that especially at this time of life, um, you know, when there's so much uncertainty, I, I would say that becoming mindful, you know, I would strongly suggest exploring mindfulness and seeing if you can make it a part of your life. And Forgiving yourself, you know, behaving, treating yourself with self-compassion, you know, treating yourself as you would treat a good friend. That's what's important. And we forget to do that. And talking to yourself as you would a good friend. Mm. Right. Very good points. Kindness, gentle compassion, absolutely. That's 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 what's gonna heal. So that's beautiful. And how can our listeners find you? And I know you have a free giveaway or two. So why don't you mention those and then we'll we'll have them in the show notes as well. Okay, great. So, you know, reach out. You can email me at ericopoznak at gmail.com. Um, email me with any questions you might have, and I'm offering a free guide. It's called A Guide to a Mindful Life, a short guide with some of the, I'll repeat some of the practices that we spoke about here today. And I'm offering, um, I'm offering a 15-minute Zoom call. I'd love to talk to you and you know, see how you can integrate mindfulness into your life and what would be the best next step for you. And I'm also offering a 15% discount on my courses for all listeners. 
Um, you can also follow me on Facebook at Mindful Life MD. Um, and I post many of my courses there. But if you have any questions, just reach out by email and I would love to talk to you. Beautiful. This, this was just so lovely. Uh, Erica, thank you for the experience in the middle of it, which was wonderful. And for those of you who, uh, who are many, I'm sure, who are dealing with that uh, post-divorce uh, stress, uh, listen to the show again, uh, reach out, uh, get Erica's free guide and I really encourage you to consider making mindfulness a part of your life. It, it's, it's a game changer and, um, and it'll really, it'll really make a difference in this next new chapter of your life. And Erica, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom and, and your advice with us. Thank you, Karen. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Um, thank you for your time and for this opportunity to share my passion for mindfulness. You're welcome. Stay tuned for the next episode of Life After Divorce. You will be hearing from me soon. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one -on -one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.